in a keyword system, you're naturally going to filter that down. And it becomes a very small pool of candidates that are actually not diverse <laughs> because they didn't put every type of skill that is the same as the others or because they maybe didn't have, they didn't go to an Ivy League school or they didn't work at a Fortune 500 company, but they're incredibly successful. We believe people believe that they're more than a keyword. Welcome to the Talent Experience Show. This is your look at what's happening right now in recruitment, talent acquisition, talent management, and HR tech. This podcast is proudly produced by the team at Phenom. Join us in our mission to help a billion people find the right job. If you want to learn more about Phenom and our TXM platform, head on over to phenom.com. My name is Tom Tates. I'm on the marketing team here. I'm going to kick things off with a bit of a hot topic. We've covered this on our live streams, but not in the context in which we're going to cover it today. We're going to be talking about hiring for diversity. This has been a critical conversation in 2020. And for most HR professionals, this isn't a new revelation. This isn't a new concept. We understand and we know the benefits of having a diverse workforce and a diverse corporate culture, gender, race, sexual orientation, age, life experiences, work experiences, building diversity into our teams. It only drives innovation. It drives new ideas, collaboration, and ultimately, and we've seen this, more value for the business. And that's really what we're all working to do. We're working to build the best teams we've ever been on. And one major response that I'm seeing in 2020, and I'm excited to dig into this a bit with our guests today, is this idea of don't just tell me that you're building a diverse culture and a diverse workforce show me that you do it. Show me the actions that you're taking. So I am super excited to have Joanna Riley, the CEO and co-founder of Sensia, to share her expertise on this particular topic and explore the challenges, the solutions, and especially the technology that is available to become a leader in hiring for diversity. Joe, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Tom. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, this is going to be such an awesome conversation. Uh, I, I I know that you are very close to uh, the technology side of things, and I really want to learn more before we even begin. Uh, who are you? Uh, you? You know, I know that's a very vast question. We could probably talk about that for the next uh, forty-five minutes. Uh, but the quick elevator pitch: Who are you? Uh, what do you do at Sensia? And and what does Sensia do? Awesome. Um, so I, uh, I'm the CEO and co-founder of Sensia, and I am a longtime repeat entrepreneur. I actually started my career uh, right out of college. I was recruited to the FBI, and I worked in the international training unit, training police in the Middle East and Africa. And I loved what I did, but I hated the bureaucratic structure. And so started my first company at 22 and uh have basically been unemployable since I've had, I've sold two companies, I've taken one public and Sensi is my fourth company and really something that is touching on something I'm very deeply passionate about. But the genesis of Sensia, which is really interesting, came about on this kind of entrepreneurial journey I just mentioned, which is that over the last 10 years, I've traveled to roughly 100, 110 countries. And I've sought out CEOs and business leaders at some of the largest organizations in the world, some of the most the fastest growing organizations, but really wanted to understand one, what was their biggest asset right now and in, in you know these times, 
what was their biggest challenge and what are they afraid of? And what was crazy to me, you know, I've been an entrepreneur across different areas. And what was amazing was that they pretty much, you know, thousands of people over a hundred countries said the same thing. They said, my greatest asset is my people. My biggest challenge is finding great talent. And my biggest fear is that if I can't find the talent that is strong enough for the future to help me transform, I won't be able to survive. And that led me, you know, starting a decade ago into the passion of building HR technologies of which at Sensia, which were three years old, we really focus on our main mission of eliminating human bias and enabling data-driven talent decisions based on merit and capability, not bias filters. But if you think about Sensia, one of, one of the kind of cool ways to think about Sensia is we are a talent intelligence platform that really models, if any of you have seen Moneyball with Brad Pitt and Jonah Hill, sure. it's a great movie. It's also an incredible book. Um, but Moneyball changed the game of baseball by putting math and science onto statistics of players. And it really allowed great players to be found that were hidden for a variety of bias reasons, whether that be age or whether that be the way they looked or whatever it is. The same kind of bias that we have in talent, Sensi is on a mission to change by really being the money ball of all talent by applying math and science to build context into the data of somebody's professional background so that we can understand them much better and deliver much higher quality candidates to enterprises. I, I love HR tech because it's this intersection of, of the technology and the people. HR is such a people-driven um facet of the business. And just like you said, you know, speaking to all those CEOs, uh, if, if people are your most important asset, um, then HR might be one of your most important functions, you know, because it's all about taking care of your people. Um, at a super high level, um, there's, there's just been a conversation around hiring for diversity that has uh, accelerated this year. And I'm really curious, you know, in all of your conversations and kind of uh, being on the front lines of of talking to CEOs and CHROs, um, how have you seen this conversation change uh, between, let's say, this time last year and, and this year? Absolutely. You know, what's, what's exciting for me is that DE&I has absolutely taken a front seat in conversations around talent strategies. People are very focused on how can we drive diversity into our organization? How can we promote diversity better? How do we eliminate bias, which is, you know, really key is I think organizations understand that diversity and bias and unconscious bias are, are directly linked. I think that there is a change in what diversity means across organizations. So we're enhancing at a much bigger level, the diversity focus. It's not just maybe gender or veteran or race or ethnicity or sexual orientation or age or, you know, uh, anything. It, it, it can be, people are very much looking at, we want diversity on all fronts and we want to use it as, or we want it because it's not, not just that it's the right thing to do, but because it's going to help our organization be a better performing organization. And I love that that conversation is happening. I do think that, you know, in, in, uh, in general, diversity has always been thought of as a separate category. And unfortunately, that's, that category is always an afterthought behind recruiting or performance reviews or, you know, internal mobility, strategy, 
And then it's diversity. Oh, right. We need to also think diversity. And what I'm excited about is we at Sensia, and I know Phenom people as well, really believe that diversity can be part of that from the get-go in every single one of those pieces so that we're really bringing diversity all the way across and moving that up into where it can affect across the entire organization, whether that be internal or whether that be hiring from outside. I think also with so many people unemployed, you know, we're seeing such an incredible volume of unemployed candidates that organizations are also really focused on making sure that they follow OFCCP compliance. You know, OFCCP is out there to make sure that organizations treat candidates fairly. And there's a lot more volume that these organizations are dealing with. They are looking at how can we stay compliant and how do we leverage AI? And that is something that we've been really proud of is just the fact that we not only are compliant with OFCCP, but we actually are, are, are shown to improve OFCCP compliance standards. And so I think that is something where organizations feel a lot better understanding that technology can help them and also allow them to be compliant so that they get to de-risk them, the, the investments. Yeah. And, and we'll talk about this, I'm sure, but if it's, if it's built into the platform, like if it's built into the technology, it, it almost physically can't be an afterthought you know, yeah. because it's, it's built into it. And I, I definitely want to table that because I want to talk yeah. a little bit about how the, the tech is helping to solve some of the unique challenges that teams are facing. Um, I, I love this idea of just kind of surfacing that it is an afterthought because it, you know, the inclusion of, of diversity or the exclusion of diversity, it exists in all of these different facets of talent acquisition. So if you start at sourcing, you know, to hire diverse team members, you first need to discover them. Uh, you need to discover diversity and you also need to allow uh, diverse candidates to discover you. What are some of the key challenges that you see teams face uh, when it comes to sourcing for diversity? I, uh, I, I think this is a terrific question. I think that recruiting teams have unfortunately not been given the right kind of sourcing technologies Recruiters are looking at data on talent. And if you think about the world of data, ever since the invention of databases, there has been an ability to use keywords to search databases. And over the last 30 years, 40 years of databases, data has become intelligent in categories. So if you think about it, business data became business intelligence. Marketing data became marketing intelligence. Sales data became sales intelligence because they started to build context context and segmentation into this data to help people really understand, let's say you're trying to target a type of consumer you can target any consumer because of this contextual intelligence inside of the data. Sadly, talent data is still leveraged by keywords in a very unca- in a non-contextualized way. I'll give you an example. If I say um, Marketo, Tom, do you know Marketo? I do. Yep. Okay. What about uh, do you know um, Crux? I do not know Crocs, no. Okay. So I always ask, it's great you know Marketo. That's typically one people people don't. Crocs is a, is a great example too. Uh, Crocs is a headless API-based platform for marketing intelligence that was sold actually to Salesforce for a billion dollars. Now that company was one of the fastest growing, is still one of the fastest growing hyper-growth organizations completely fueled and drove Salesforce forward. 
Um, and working there is incredibly valuable. But if you were a recruiter, Tom, and I worked at Crux, you'd probably overlook that because you don't have any context to how what is does Crux mean. Yeah. What Sensi understood was that this really is where I think recruiters are handicapped when it comes to their challenges in sourcing because there is no context. And that's not right. We need to create intelligence and context in this data, which is exactly where we've gone down the path of saying, let's make sure recruiters have that intelligence to say, I want to find people that have been through hypergrowth, that are diverse, that have worked in manufacturing, that have been through an IPO, that have been through M&A, but they're able to look at this instead of having to think up every different word that maybe fits. I also think that leads to challenges on a diversity front because candidates, big demographics don't share the same amount of data as other demographics. For example, Women put 40% less skills and capabilities on their resumes than men, on their resumes and profiles than men. Now, in a keyword system, you're naturally going to filter that down. It becomes a very small pool of candidates that are actually not diverse (laughs) because they didn't put every type of skill that is the same as the others or because they maybe didn't have, they didn't go to an Ivy League school or they didn't work at a Fortune 500 company, but they're incredibly successful in their own right. And we looked at how can we help give recruiters a full understanding of people, look at people fairly. And we believe people believe that they're more than a keyword. And so that's kind of, I think, one of the key challenges. Yeah. And there's thousands of data points, right? <laughs> you know, that, that make up yep. the... Uh, contextualization, I guess you can say, of any given candidate. Um, so it would be unreasonable, right, for any human oh, to do this at scale. It wouldn't be possible, right? So I think that's definitely where the technology comes in. Um, yeah. So, you know, once you're you're, br- you're bringing in this, this data, you're contextualizing it, um, you're using it uh, to uh, elevate certain candidates, you know, or better understand or illuminate certain candidates, Um, we frequently talk about bias. um, And I think that it's in this kind of evaluating and assessing stage where I think the bias starts to creep in, right? Whether it's conscious or unconscious, it prevents us from moving forward with specific candidates. At this stage, how do you typically see this play out with recruiters um, when they're evaluating candidates? Yeah, I mean, I think recruiters have the challenge because it's not just what they see in their biases, but it's also the biases of of a hiring manager. And so, you know, a hiring manager is going to believe, you know, that this is, they have to come from these kind of schools or they have to come from these kind of companies. And recruiters not only are trying to overcome that themselves, but they're really trying to get their hiring managers to change that. And so, you know, one of my favorite studies, and I, I believe one of the biggest places to impact that is actually one in the candidate pipeline. So of the pipeline of candidates that are even that you're going to reach out to make sure that pipeline has strong diversity representation, because inevitably as they come back and respond and, you know, Phenom people knows this so, so well, the engagement rates of candidates to respond into opportunities is extremely high, especially in passive candidates. And that's because we're all, you know, everyone's interested in, in a, opportunity if it's better for them. And what we found was, and one of my, you know, actually I I referenced the study quite a bit is that uh, Harvard put out a study where they said, if you have an interview pool of six candidates and one of them is a female and that you can use this for any diverse demographic, that statistically that candidate has a 0% chance of getting a job. So sometimes we'll hear this. We'll say, people will say, 
we make sure that at least one person in the interview pool is diverse. And in my head, secretly, I'm like, yeah, but they're, they're, they have a 0% chance of getting the job if that's the case. So, yeah, yeah. however, the second that there's two out of six, their percentage goes up, but they, they are still not going to, there's a high probability that they're not going to get the job. The second that there's three, so this is one of my favorite tips for all recruiters is make sure the candidate pool is a 50-50 or the interview pool is a 50-50 diverse split because the second that there's three, that the actually favor tips to the diverse candidates because not only are they looked at as capable and qualified equally, but they're also looked at as the extra ad of being diverse and for all the factors that are valuable of having diverse candidates. And so even the hardest hiring managers that you know are kind of stuck in their ways, the second that you give them a good option pool of 50-50, no longer is the diverse candidate looked at as an outlier. They're actually looked at as more favorable. So I love that as, as one of the kind of key things that, that I think has an effect because it's really tough to affect diversity if you don't make that change. I think another one is inclusion. You know, if, if we, if it's just about, oh, I want to get diverse candidates, do we all have organizations that can make them feel included and make them feel like they belong there? Because I think that is key when we think about growing diversity is, is it something that the organization has said, we're going to start changing policies and, and we're going to start putting things in place to make us a more diverse organization on an inclusion standpoint? You know, I think some of the bias comes into place also just with things like job descriptions. Sure. Or, you know, unconscious bias can show up in any way. We all have it, every human, and it's impossible to say there's no human out there that doesn't have it. And I'll give you an example. If I say Bernie Madoff, did you have a good or bad image in your mind? Pretty bad. Pretty bad. Well, there's, yeah. oh, and, and that's the case with everyone, right? Everyone's like, oh sure. my gosh. Now, if that Bernie Madoff, if Bernie Madoff came across your candidate pipeline, you're like, oh my gosh, no. Like immediately, yeah. I'm looking at the candidate name, right? Well, there's over a thousand people in the United States that have that exact name. Sure. And unfortunately for them, they're carrying the bias from the Bernie Madoff that we're all thinking about. And that's the same with any name. That's the same with a school. That's the same with a company name. That's the same with, you know, even extracurricular activities that comes in and it inserts itself and it finds a way. And so I do think what's really cool is how technologies today are looking at how can we help remove some of those by maybe blinding some of the underlying factors that might lead to a moment of inserting unconscious or conscious bias. Yeah, it's 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 really smart and I'm really interested in watching that that technology be, because of exactly what you said like it's it's just reducing that bias to such a degree um, that it really allows the the uh, recruiter and the hiring manager to focus on skills, to focus on competencies, you know, just to focus on is this the right fit. Um, you know, speaking of, you know, focus, right? Uh, we were on video uh, shortly before we started. We turned our video off just so we can conduct the podcast interview. Uh, yeah. But you got a you got a quick glimpse of of my disheveled uh, surroundings. I mentioned I was moving. Um, I also mentioned my internet was a little bit unstable the past couple yeah. of days. Um, so we are now pretty much living and operating in this super virtual remote world. Um, yeah. And I think we're going to see so many companies that are going to potentially continue this, um, even as COVID is under control, even as offices, physical offices begin to open up. Um, as we move into this remote 
virtual hiring environment. Uh, do you think that this will support hiring for diversity, or do you think that this will potentially introduce even more bias? You know, as as people get a glimpse into people's home lives and different things like that. Yeah. So I, you know, I come I I, I come from the mindset of of and and I was recently speaking with a. VP of talent acquisition at one of the largest media companies. And we were both talking about how we believe this is a great equalizer because your life isn't like you've got internet issues and you're moving and there's most likely a dog somewhere or a child somewhere that's going to inevitably interfere in the phone call. That's the same, you know, we're, we're seeing that happen across demographics and we're seeing that people I, I mean, I've spoken to some incredibly powerful and successful people over during lockdown. And I will tell you, not everybody has a great situation. People that are, you know, sea levels at fortune 10 companies are sitting on their bed, you know? So I think it just is a nice equalizer to say, you know what? Life's messy. All of our lives are messy. And we are looking beyond that and we're looking at what we can bring, you know, to the table as an individual. You know, I think that there's also an opportunity for people to be much more aware of the lack of diversity across their team. You know, if you're looking at a call, it's, you know, if we're in a major group, it's sometimes harder to see that there is diversity lacking. But as we break into these or as we do, you know, face as, as our videos are on and we're on a, let's say, all hands call, you're looking at your team going, I think we can do better than this. Or maybe you're not. Maybe you're like, we're doing great. For us, we focus on representing the market, which is everybody. And so sure. we're constantly like, who? how can we add more that is not like us, that represents big demographics of the talent pool, not just race, ethnicity, gender, age, sexual orientation, but also things like, are they, you know, disability or veteran or even, you know, from you know, college degree, no college degree. I mean, these are all things that are diverse. And so how do we how do we represent everybody? And I think every organization has an opportunity to look at that in this in this environment. So I'm I'm excited by it actually. Yeah, me too. I, I like the word you use to equalizer. Um I, I I do hope that if companies embrace remote working uh, and if they previously had geographic limitations on their diversity, yeah. this this breaks that open. This breaks that wide open. You know, yeah. now their their potential talent pool um, is much much wider, uh, yeah. which is awesome. Do you remember that? Do you remember the BBC interview? Everyone was so like, yeah, I mean, it, was, it made obviously national TV. It was everywhere because yeah. this interviewer was at home and kids come in and it was like, oh my god, you know, so so much shock and awe. I I, I don't know anyone who has kids that hasn't had them interfere with a video call one way or another. And I think that's just so cool that we've come so far so fast in understanding life and all of its intricacies. So, I mean, that to me, that, that is very exciting. It's, it's so funny that that made, you know, primetime news. And now that's just like an everyday occurrence for most people, you know, so it's not even, it's not even an afterthought. Um, so I want to transition the conversation really just to get into some of the the real solutions that are being put into place by teams, as I mentioned at the top of the episode. And, you know, I, I, I am interested in your opinion on this. Uh, so many companies are very quick to hit social media or to say, like, we embrace diversity and we have a diverse culture. And then when you go to their uh, career site or you start to learn more about you know, maybe their board of directors, you know, everyone looks very familiar um, and you don't see the diversity that was being talked about. And 
it's time. Like it's time to put your, your words into action. And I really do want to talk about some of the actions that you're seeing uh, on the front lines that you're seeing companies put into place. Both Sensia and Phenom leverage artificial intelligence and machine learning uh, in our platforms to really help those talent acquisition teams hire the right candidates. Um, and we know specifically that this technology uh, has so many benefits, right? Reducing time to interview, reducing time to hire, uh, cutting recruitment costs and overhead. Uh, but some of the very real and unique ways uh, that this technology can be leveraged to hire for diversity, uh, that's what I'd love to explore, right? So for recruiters who are sourcing and screening talent, uh, how do you see AI machine learning play specifically a role in the reduction of bias? Uh, we talked a little bit about it, but I thought maybe we can go deeper into it. Yeah, for sure. I think one of the big things is I think it all it does come down to what is what is the data set we're all using, right? And so with us, and I know with you guys as well, you have a very large data set. We have over 550 million people on our platform that we're continue, constantly learning. We're constantly identifying patterns that are invisible to the human eye at scale. And we're applying those so that organizations can make much better decisions without having to come in and create these subjective filters. So I really think that ability for the right technologies to go beyond keywords and add contacts that is really desperate for organizations. And I'm going to use an, I'm, I'm going to use another comparison. You know, if you go house shopping today, which a lot of people do, um, or they, or they have, you know, a, a guilty pleasure of looking at homes yep, on, yep. on sites, so they go, that's, that's more of what a lot of people are doing. Yeah. Um, you know, if you go on Zillow, you can see that instead of just searching at what we used to only be restricted by, which is let's say two bedrooms, two bathrooms in a certain location for a certain price range, you know, we now can say, I want to look at homes that have low crime rates that have are in a rising area of popularity, meaning I'm going to make money. I have a good probability of making money on this, on this purchase. I want it to be close to school districts. I want it to have, I want to be walkable to a town. These are all insights that are based on other data. It's the context behind a home, right? That people are so desperate to figure out the same thing, you know, Spotify did the exact same thing with music. That's why their recommendations are so dramatically different and better than let's say just recommending music based on genre and artist. They sure. go way beyond that to add this context into a song. We looked at it saying, how do we do the same thing? And what that allows for is a much more intelligent experience where recruiters don't have to come up with, I think a good candidate comes from these schools Ivy League. I think a good candidate worked at Fortune 500 companies, or at least those that I know, and putting all those in keywords. So really being able to understand, are you looking for people that have worked in similar situations? Or have you? are you looking for people that have been, uh, have a strong career trajectory, or are a rising star, are performing higher than their peers, are diverse, are loyal? These are all things that is really exciting to me about AI and reducing that bias. I also think that, you know, AI has as I mentioned, one of the things that people love about a functionality we offer, which is anonymized mode, which is a blind mode, right? You can just turn the system, the admin can turn the system so that recruiters can't see identifying factors that maybe would they would insert bias. And that's really neat to see the increase in decisions that are made or the types of candidates that get, get put into the interview pool. In addition to that, I think job descriptions are, are really you know, bias and AI has an ability to help unbias those. 
um, and unbiased resumes. As I mentioned, demographics are going to put far less on their resumes or profiles than another demographic. Well, that's not really fair, even though they're equally qualified. And it's not fair that that individual gets filtered out because they maybe didn't figure out all the different versions of a keyword. So really being able to help infer that data is something I love about AI as well. With us, one of the things that we've built as, you know, we use fairness aware machine learning, which is an ethical machine learning ability. And that allows us to say, we're going to eliminate bias identifiers when we're building our patterns. We're also built on, as I mentioned, an enormous data set, which I think is critical when thinking about AI technologies is how big is the data set. If you need a customer's data to be able to train a system, it's it's really challenging at that point versus being able to already come with, we built this based on a huge data set. And also, you know, being able to, as I mentioned, make up for some of those inequalities that demographics might put on themselves when it comes to the amount of data they put out there. So using AI to help fill that gap too, let alone all the power of AI to automate mundane work. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's huge. Yeah. I, I love, I, I really appreciate that you brought up the machine learning aspect to uh, fairness machine learning. So uh, I think for people who are new to the concepts of, of AI and kind of how all of this works, um, you, you bring in the Spotify example, which I think is such a great example. Uh, it's so important to bring in that piece, that machine learning piece, because it's always improving. Like the data set is always growing. Um, and as a result, uh, with machine learning and training your specific AI, uh, it's always improving. Uh, Spotify has gotten really good at being able to parse out uh, when my children are listening to music on my profile and when I'm listening to music. So it'll split Definitely. my recommended playlists out a little bit better. So like, thank God, again, right? <laughs> always learning. Yeah. 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 Thank the Lord for that. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, it's great. Like, um, there's so much to it. Uh, and I think, you know, these are complex challenges and they're, they're being supported by complex uh, technology and complex solutions. How do you know that it's actually working? Like for the average person who's, who's using the tech, um, what, what are some of the kind of benchmarks or metrics for success to say, hey, I think that this is doing the thing that we wanted it to do? Absolutely. So we, you know, we're really big on, on KPIs and I think most great technologies are where, diversity being a focus, there's a couple of them that we track and, and report on, you know, continuous basis. The nice thing is a customer could kind of say, these are the things that are important and we're going to build a KPI on that. But one of the big ones that I would say that customers can use in general is to watch the percentage of diverse pipeline, right? As I mentioned, that's kind of the very beginning of the process. If you're only engaging a certain demographic of people, there's no way to get diverse people out of that. <laughs> like, it yeah. has to be a diverse pipeline in the beginning and then in, engage that diverse pipeline and then get to the next stages. Additionally, I think the percentage of diverse internal mobility is really a big focus. Internal mobility is key right now across organizations. So knowing what percentage of movements internally are diverse that are coming through that technology. Also understanding that diversity changes on a, on a seniority basis, right? Not just great, are we adding more diverse people up to the bottom? But as you mentioned before, all the way up to the board, do we yeah. have focus on diversity all the way up and all the way down the organization versus just saying, okay, we're just going to put 
you know, we're going to hit our thresholds, but rather how do we make sure that great candidates are coming in at every level? If that's a priority for the organization, the nice thing with technologies is they can track those things really, really simply and report to them. So we we talked so much about talent acquisition. Uh, we talked a lot about how recruiters can leverage this technology to uh, source candidates and then you know reduce bias when when finding the right candidates. What about internal mobility? Um, I think that as companies are, we're seeing so many companies who are decreasing their hiring right now. Um, we're starting to see the recovery, which is fantastic, you know. But but there's still a lot of industries that are not actively hiring as much as they were. With internal mobility, can you apply the same technology to source from within the organization? Oh yeah, it's it's a huge part of what we do, and and uh, a really big focus, I think, which is is another wonderful byproduct um, of everything that's going on. Is people are are understanding that their teams are really great, and they want to make sure that the great people continuously have opportunities, and leveraging technologies to give recruiters an ability to look at everybody in one place. You know, recruiters have to think about a lot. They have to think about potential passive candidates that they have to source, active candidates that are applying, previous applicants that are sitting in their ATS, and internal people. And again, you know, we don't want any of those to be an afterthought. We want it all to be in one place. And that's a big thing is helping organizations see everyone in one ranked place in order to use data and intelligence to make better decisions faster that save costs and drive fairness is a huge focus of ours. And I know it's also a a big focus of Phenoms. And I love that. I think that when it comes to additional, you know, needs of the organizations, they're looking at talent mapping and talent transitions on a, on a different level. They're looking at, we've got due to the new normal, we have departments that we're doing great before, but now they're maybe slowed down, but we have other departments that are growing that we never planned on the growth. How do we make sure that we're not losing great talent? So transferring those skills across the organization, identifying who we maybe want to upskill is key that we help with as well. Both of those are, I would say, really, really relevant right now. Um, there's a a big focus on how do we identify the skills already inside the organization? Because there's a limited there's a limited data set on that. Whereas being able to have, you know, we come to the table and we're like, we know the skills of the organization. We can also show you what those look like across your competitors. And so really helping organizations have a much better way of making decisions. You know, they're, it's, it's workforce intelligence, internal mobility intelligence versus, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? Who should we be hiring internally? So it's yeah. bringing them to a strategic point in the, in the conversation for sure. Yeah. And, and, you know, we are starting to see that shift uh, in, into organizations. Organizations have always valued their people, but I think it's just been taken to such a, a next level, um, which has been, you know, as an employee, very appreciative, um, but also exciting to see kind of um, how companies are really engaging with internal mobility and engaging with upskilling and some of these other activities. Um, you know, in addition to using this technology, uh, you've already mentioned, you know, this, this uh, uh, 50-50 pipeline as, as a really fantastic practice that companies can leverage. Um, are there any other specific best practices that you've seen uh, companies engage with uh, to just, again, uh, really, really seek out diversity and continue to, to hire well? Yeah, um, I think one of the big ones is, is, and you, you know, you mentioned it before, Tom, which is that when you 
are going through an interview process and much of an organization talks about diversity, when a candidate goes to their web pages or they're looking at what's out there, they don't see diversity. They don't see that there is, they don't see a commitment to diversity. They don't see diverse people inside the organization. And interestingly enough, there was a, a report that came out that said just in the United States alone, they surveyed tech talent that turned over, tech being incredibly hard and valuable. And they surveyed the tech talent that turned over and they found that 50% of that talent left because the organization did not take proactive approaches to promote diversity. They didn't represent diversity. And if you look at that on a cost basis, that's $16 billion attributed to that turnover because people didn't invest in showing off what they were doing on a diversity front. So I think beyond just saying, if, if you could do one thing, make sure you're, you have a quota on your interview pipeline, right? Get a yeah, yeah. pipeline because if you could have a hard line and say, this is going to create change. There are so many studies that Harvard study has been done over and over and over again, and they continue to show the same results. So the great thing is it's like, the thing that has to happen is like, we just need a half, you know, 50, 50 pool. But in addition to that, show off diversity, show that it's important to the organization and show why it's important and who represents that. And I think that's really key, even as small as having, you know, the diverse employees share their experience or putting together a career page, or even, you know, saying, this is a big initiative of ours. We want to be better at this. Yeah. I, I'm starting to see many more uh, video testimonials from yeah. employees uh, sharing their stories. And just story is such a powerful way to do that, uh, highlighting it on your career site. Uh, and now that video tools are so accessible and we're all getting so used to seeing each other at home in our in our environments, um, yeah. it's an exciting thing definitely to see. Definitely. As we wrap up this conversation, uh, I, I definitely would be remiss to not ask you uh, your expert opinion on what the future looks like uh, for artificial intelligence and machine learning in HR and in HR tech. We are going to uh, continue this movement of breaking down bias and continue this movement of hiring diverse teams. I'm so excited that it's it's uh, it's jumped to the top of the uh, conversations of of many uh, this past year. Uh, but as we continue these conversations, how do you anticipate the technology itself is going to advance? Yeah, I think that the, I think it's a really exciting time for technology because it it has really made the conversation. You know, by being at the forefront of every hiring conversation or talent conversation, it's it's really made it important that we all look at this. And I think that there are a lot of technologies that are working really hard to help organizations in these areas. So it brings the conversation to the table of, okay, great, how can we get help with this? Because we know humans, one, have limited resource on time and capabilities, but additionally, we just are, we come with bias and that's okay. That's what allows us to be human beings. Um, it's, a, it's really good in certain areas, but not yeah. used when it comes to filtering out talent for opportunities that they're qualified for. And for us, you know, the, um, I think that there's a really big opportunity to uncover talent that's been hidden by bias for a long time. So I'm so excited by that. You know, we're on a mission to eliminate the discrimination that's today holding billions of people back from opportunities. So it's, you know, we're working hard on it. I know you guys are working really hard on it. And so it's that, that excites me more than anything. Um, and I think it's about seeing people based on their capabilities and merits rather than subjective, 
filters or what they've done. Did they work at this company in this role? Instead, I'm hearing a lot more about organizations saying, we want to see people based on their capabilities, not based on their role. And I love that. So I'm, I'm really excited about how technologies are helping advance that. Yeah, I'm super excited to you. And this conversation has given me a ton of energy uh, to, to continue to uh, explore these topics and share these topics. And I'm really uh, excited and really uh, grateful to have the opportunity to speak to you, uh, to learn more about you, to learn more about Sensia and to learn more about the technology. Uh, I'm, you know, last question, uh, where can people follow you? Where can people learn more about Sensia uh, and just continue to keep tabs on some of the awesome work that you're doing? Oh, for sure. Well, Tom, right back at you. It's been very energizing to chat with you too. But if anyone wants to follow us, we would love to have you follow us. Come to Sensia.com um, or follow us on Twitter at Sensia underscore AI. And Sensia is C-E-N-S-I-A. Um, I'm really excited. Come to our site, Experience Sensia and Phenom. You know, we're both working together and we're working really hard at, at making this a much more efficient, much fairer process for recruiters and talent around the world. Um, but I'm, I'm just excited to be on the journey with you guys. So please, please follow us. Yes, definitely. We have a shared mission and uh, always appreciate working with our partners uh, who share the same uh, share the same mission and purpose. Uh, Joe Riley, thank you so much for being on this episode. Uh, and to all of our listeners, thank you so much for your time and your attention. Be sure to subscribe and follow us. Uh, we're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. We're on Google Podcasts. We're on all the places that you can find podcasts. So hit that subscribe button and uh, be sure to uh, check out future episodes. If you want to learn more about Sensia, head on over to Sensia.com. Uh, we will put all of the relevant links in the show notes to make it super easy for you. And if you want to learn more about Phenom, head on over to Phenom.com. Thanks again. We will catch you on the next one.